Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Listen to these words of Jesus. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we, we are going to be focusing on humor and laughter and silliness for the next few weeks. There's, there's, a reason, there's a reason for that. And the reason is after what we've been through for the last two years, it just it really feels like we could all use a good laugh together. So we're going to do that. We're going to try to find the healing and relief of laughter over the next few weeks in worship. And as we make our way through this worship series, as we make our way through the sermon series, Laughter, and, and he had this question. He wanted to know why is it that people laugh? What is it that makes a good joke better than a bad joke? What is it? What is it that we think is funny when we hear a really good joke? And so to answer the question, he, he put together a website. He created a website, and then he invited people from all around the world to submit their favorite jokes, like we did with the children of the church this week, submit their favorite jokes to the website. He left the website up for a few weeks, word got around, and eventually he had gathered 40,000 jokes. He had submitted 40,000 jokes to his website. And that's when Richard Weisman moved on to the next stage of the experiment. Then he invited people to come back to his website and read the jokes and rate them according to how funny they found the jokes. And he left that going for a year. For one whole year, people could go to this website and read the jokes and link the jokes according to how that year was up. Two million people from 70 different countries had participated in this project and taken part in the experiment. At the end of a year, he had all of this data, all of this information on what people actually think is funny. And so he started crunching the numbers and analyzing all of this data. And eventually, he started to see some, some patterns beginning to emerge. He discovered some things about about what people think is funny and why why we think those things are funny. For example, one of the things that he learned is that the funniest time of the day is in the evening. People consistently rated jokes as funnier when they read them in the evening than they did when they read those same jokes in the morning. And he discovered that the funniest time of month is the middle of the month. People gave higher rankings to jokes when they read the jokes in the middle of the month than they did at the beginning of the month, which means that the least funny time of the month, the absolutely worst time to tell a joke is on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at the beginning of the month. And so you're going to have to take my word for it that everything we did in worship today is going to be funnier if you go back and watch the tape two weeks from now. Right? right around 6 o'clock, two weeks from now, Sunday evening, go back online, watch this morning's worship. Stuff is hysterical. You just didn't get it the first time around, okay? He also learned, he learned that the, the funniest letter is the letter K. People gave a higher funny rating to jokes that had more K sounds in them. He learned that the funniest animal is a duck. If you're telling a joke that has an animal in it, you're going you're gonna to want to, if you can, make sure that animal is a duck. Although apparently the kids here at Cork Street think that the cow, cows are hysterical. Right? Okay, so, so there may be a difference of opinion there. But according to the data, the funniest animal is a duck. He also learned that people around the world, in different places in the world, find different things to be funny. There is such a thing as a national sense of humor. 
right? So British people, it turns out, like their jokes with lots of, of clever wordplay. I heard a British comedian tell this joke. She said, I just got married, and already my mom is pestering me. She keeps asking me, when are you going to make me a grandmother? And I keep telling her, mom, back off. It's hard enough making a baby. I don't think I'm up to pushing out a 67-year-old named Clarabelle just yet. Right, do you see what she did there? Take a moment, think about it. This is the kind of thing that British people think is really funny, all right? Clever, clever wordplay, twists of words, all right? The French, on the other hand, the French think that, that jokes are funny if they've got some sort of an element of, of surreality. If there's something absurd about a joke, then they think that's, that's funny. So here's a joke that French people rated highly. A, a German shepherd walks into a telegraph office. He tells the man behind the corner, I want to send the message. And so the man behind the counter writes down the message, and the dog says, here's what I want the message to say. Woof, 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 woof. The man behind the counter says, sir, I couldn't help but notice that you only use nine words. You could add one additional woof to your sentence for no extra cost at all. And the dog says, but sir, that would make no sense at all. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff, not a lot of French Methodists in worship this morning. That's, okay. that's the kind of thing that the French think is funny. And then, and then there's Americans. Now what Richard Wiseman discovered about us, what Richard Wiseman discovered about Americans is that we tend to like jokes that are just a little bit mean. We like humor in, in which somebody ends up looking foolish or being the butt of the joke. A woman walks into a restaurant carrying a duck. There's a duck. The duck and the woman sit down at a table. A waiter walks over and says, Richard Wiseman discovered, and we're going to begin today with the element of surprise. And one of the things that Richard Wiseman discovered is that the most consistent thing a good joke does that a bad joke doesn't do is it surprises us. There's a setup that creates a picture in our minds. We think we understand what is happening, and then suddenly there's a surprise, there's a twist, there's a moment when we have to rethink everything we thought we knew and paint a completely new picture in our minds. Two fish are swimming in a tank. One fish says to the other fish, hey, do you know how to drive this thing? There it is, all right, there it is. In that moment, in that moment of surprise, suddenly a part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex kicks into gear. Scientists have actually hooked people up to brain scanners while they're listening to jokes, while they're listening to comedy, and they have discovered that at that moment where the twist, where the surprise comes, the prefrontal cortex lights up like an electric duck. See, I didn't say Christmas tree because ducks are funnier, right? Lights up like an electric duck, and what happens is the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's solves problems. It's the part of our brain that we use to understand the world and what is going on. In that moment, your prefrontal cortex starts trying to figure out, hang on, I thought they were in a fish tank, but now let me see because I'm starting to question what kind of a tank they're actually swimming around in. Your prefrontal cortex works to solve the puzzle, and once it does, when your prefrontal cortex has finally figured out what is going on, when you get it, your prefrontal cortex sends a wave of electricity crashing through your brain that does all sorts of interesting things. One of the things that electricity does is it causes your brain to release a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is the chemical that makes you feel good. Dopamine is the chemical that you experience when you're on a roller coaster. Dopamine is the chemical that makes you smile and then laugh out loud. It all has to do with this twist, with this moment of surprise, with what is happening in your prefrontal cortex. And when we read the parables of Jesus, one of the things that we discover is that many of the parables of Jesus have exactly the same kind of twist, the same kind of moment of surprise that we find in the very best jokes. 
One of the things that we often miss about Jesus when we're reading the Gospels is that Jesus is really funny. When he's preaching, when he's teaching people, Jesus peppers his sermons with all of these little stories that we call parables. And these parables, if we look at them, if we analyze them, we discover that these parables contain all of the same elements of humor that Richard Wiseman discovered as he was studying jokes. People back in the time of Jesus would have laughed and giggled and smiled at many of the parables that Jesus told. Now, why don't they make us do that today? Why don't we laugh and giggle and smile as we're reading the parables of Jesus doing our, our daily devotions? Well, it has to do with the fact that these parables, these jokes of Jesus, are 2,000 years old. If it is hard to understand French humor from today, it is that much harder to understand Jewish humor from 2,000 years ago. But if we look at the parables of Jesus, we discover that many of them work in exactly the same way that a good joke does. In this morning's scripture reading, we have this parable, one of the most famous of all the parables of Jesus, the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus is looking out at the crowds one day and he says, how can I help you understand what God's kingdom is like? How can I help you understand how God's kingdom works? He says, God's kingdom is like this. It's like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in the garden. And then that seed grew into a mighty tree and all of the birds of the air came and made nests in its branches. It's a little bitty story. It's one of the shortest of all of the parables of Jesus. It's barely more than a one line. And yet in that little bitty parable, Jesus packs surprise after surprise after surprise. The very first surprise hits us right off the bat. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like a seed, a mustard seed that someone took and planted in the garden. Why is that surprising? Because back in the time of Jesus, people did not plant mustard seeds in their gardens. As a matter of fact, it was against the law. It was illegal to plant mustard in your garden in the time of Jesus. Why was it illegal? Because mustard absolutely will not be hated. You can plant neat and tidy rows of cabbage. You can plant neat and tidy rows of carrot. You can plant neat and tidy rows of asparagus, but you cannot plant neat and tidy rows of mustard. If you plant a mustard seed in your garden, it's gonna grow up, and the first thing it does after it grows up is it's gonna grow out. It's gonna spread its branches and start dropping little mustard seeds all over the place. And the next thing you know, you've got mustard in your cabbage, you've got mustard in your carrots, and you've got mustard in your asparagus. That mustard plant is gonna take over your entire garden and then it's gonna take over your neighbor's garden, and it's gonna take over their neighbor's garden. A mustard seed is a seed of disruption and chaos, and for that reason, you were not allowed to plant mustard seeds in your garden in the time of Jesus, and yet Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in the garden, and then here comes the next surprise, and then that seed, Jesus says, it grew up into a mighty tree, and that's just ridiculous, because mustard seeds do not grow into trees. Mustard seeds grow into bushes. They grow into shrubberies. You can have a shrubbery of mustard, but you cannot have a mighty tree of mustard. What Jesus is describing is a miracle. He is describing an impossible thing that has happened in this garden. And then he hits us before we recover from that with one more impossible, ridiculous, silly surprise. He says, and then all the birds of the air came and made nests in its branches. Birds do not nest in mustard bushes. They don't like it and they, they find other trees to nest in. Not only that, but let me ask, how many gardeners do we have here today in worship? I know we've got lots of gardeners in courts. How many of you plant a vegetable garden every year? Let me ask those of you who are vegetable gardeners, 
How many of you in the spring, when you are planning your garden, look at that plot of land and think, now how am I going to attract as many birds as possible to come and live in this garden? Of course you don't. Vegetable gardeners, the whole point of vegetable gardening is you spend an awful lot of time and effort trying to figure out how am I going to keep the birds and the squirrels and the rabbits and the deer out of my garden. And so now let me ask you, is your prefrontal cortex lit up yet? Have you had that crashing wave of electricity and the dopamine yet? Do you understand what it is that Jesus is trying to tell us? Jesus is trying to tell us that the kingdom of God works like this. It's like a man who went and planted a seed of chaos and destruction in a neat and tidy place where it wasn't supposed to be. And then something impossible happened, a miracle happened. That seed grew up into something that it should ever have been able to be. And then it created a place where God was able to provide shelter for all of the critters who had been kicked out of every other garden in the neighborhood. Are you starting to see what it is that Jesus is teaching us with this parable, with this joke that is filled with surprises? Maybe, maybe what Jesus is teaching us in this parable, maybe the whole point of the story of the mustard seed is that God never called us to be creators of neat and tidy spaces. Maybe Jesus is telling us that we have worked way too hard for way too long to have neat and tidy houses and neat and tidy churches and neat and tidy communities. And we put up fences to keep the critters out. And we put up walls to keep people out. And we invent all sorts of rules about who is welcome and how people have to behave. And maybe Jesus is telling us that that was never our job in the first place. We were never called to be God's border patrol. We were never called to be God's rule enforcers. We were always called to be planters of surprise and seeds of disruption. We were always called, always called to be God's jokers, God's pranksters. We were always called to be God's clowns. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would give us courage to plant those seeds that rock the boat, to plant the seeds that grow up into something they have no right being, to plant the seeds that create a place where people who are not welcome in other countries, people who are not welcome in other neighborhoods, people who are not welcome in other churches can find safety and shelter and peace and rest. God, we pray that you would create a little disruption in all of our gardens, make room for your children, for your creatures. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus, your holy communion. Amen.